Dragnet. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. We offer you Escape. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari. Welcome to Episode 7 of Retro Radio Theater, featuring a full hour of programming from the golden age of radio. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts or visit us on SeniorResource.com, your number one source for retirement planning, caregiving tips, and living your best. This time, it's two Western radio episodes, Fort Laramie with Raymond Burr and the Cisco Kid with Jack Mather. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Fort Laramie aired on CBS Radio for just one season in 1956. It starred Raymond Burr as Lee Quince, captain of the cavalry at Fort Laramie on the Wyoming frontier during the 19th century. The fort had 400 troops in all, but they had to keep their eye on a nearby Indian reservation with 4,000 Cheyenne camped there. Producer-director Norman MacDonald saw Fort Laramie as a monument to ordinary men who lived in extraordinary times, with their enemies being the rugged, unchartered country, the heat, the cold, disease, boredom, and perhaps last of all, hostile Indians. Men died at Fort Laramie. Some died of drowning, some of freezing, some of typhoid and smallpox. But it's a matter of record that in all the years the cavalry was stationed at Fort Laramie, only four troopers died of gunshot wounds. The stories focused as much on atmosphere and mood as on violence and action. McDonald made it clear to his writers that historical accuracy was essential in the integrity of the series. Correct geographic names, authentic Indian practices, and true military terminology was insisted upon. McDonald relied on John Meston and Les Crutchfield, his gunsmoke writers for the Fort Laramie scripts. Vic Perrin was Sergeant Gorse, Kerry Bartell was Lieutenant Seibertz, and Jack Moyles was Major Dackett. Supporting roles were voiced by John Daner, John McIntyre, Virginia Gregg, Parley Bear, and Barney Phillips. 
This time, Stella Merchant is expecting her baby, and Captain Quince and Sergeant Gorse are de facto midwives. Here's Sergeant Gorse's baby on Fort Laramie, starring Raymond Burr, from May 27, 1956. Captain Lee Quince. Specially transcribed tales of the dark and tragic ground of the wild frontier, the saga of fighting men who rode the rim of empire, and the dramatic story of Lee Quince, Captain of Cavalry. Never seen the sense of it. Scrubbing day after day, putting clean clothes on the dirty army. It's a way to earn a keep. Uh, every woman marries a man earns a keep. Night and day, it's all earning. Not today, yes. Don't start on that talk again today. Now, I plumb forgot about your delicate condition, Stella Merchant. I need be minding my manners more. It's just I ain't used to running into royalty on Soapside's row. Honest, I ain't. I didn't mean to start you off, S. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, are you? Well, you're sorry looking, I'll say that for you. <laughs> Another day or two and you won't be able to stand in the same room with your washboard. All right, S. All right. It's a washtub now, Yar. <laughs> Couldn't you just be quiet? Think what you will. But keep it to yourself. Uh, enjoying yourself, ladies? Having a fine social hour, are you? Oh, Fanny, it's her. Look at her. Can you tell by looking she's a regular queen? I'm doing the best I can. If you'd let me be, if you wouldn't go at me so much... Now, to... listen to me, Stella Merchant, and hear what I say. <laughs> Fanny, don't. Don't shake me. I'll do what need be. You're not earning your pay. Now you get some elbow grease behind that scrubbing or I'll send you packing with no pay for the month. You wouldn't do that, Fanny. We need the money with the baby coming. We need every cent, Fanny. Then earn it. <laughs> Scrub. That's the way you get money around here. Please, Fanny. Please, don't. She's going white, Fanny. Ah, uh, ninny. If I could just get some air... Just a little air. Well, now, a little air. Oh, that's what you'll have, Fanny, right before our eyes. You don't get her out of here. All right, Stella, grab a hold one side this clothes basket. You'll get all the air you need hanging clothes outside. I said grab a hold. All right. 
Not quite so fast, Penny. Yeah, you're moving like coal molasses now. Carry your weight, Stella. They ain't some nice shade trees for you. Maybe a hammock. Ain't you the shaper of a hammock, though? Oh, maybe I shouldn't try. I thought I could work right up to the very day the baby came. Other women do. You ain't other women. You've no cause to talk to me like you do, Fanny. You and S. I never give you cause. You never give me nothing but an awful bellyache. Combing and bathing and making pretty for the men. For my man, Fanny. That's it, is it? You're so full of lying sweet talk you believe yourself. I thought we could all be friends. Out here, so far from home, all of us. I thought we could help each other. You're long on help, ain't you? Everybody help. Everybody be happy. Well, you be happy, Stella. Like you're so willing to tell anything to be near Billy. Happy to earn your keep washing filth. Happy to bury his young and happy, happy, happy. I love Billy, Fanny. Love? Ha! You don't understand. You really don't understand. I never realized that till now. It's the young as don't understand. Did you never love Luke? Even then? When you were young? Did you never love him, Fanny? Hang the clothes. It would be awful if you didn't love. You'll get no pay for John and taking the air like you are. You keep saying you need the money, we'll earn it. I will, Fanny. I will earn it. I'm glad to. And see you keep that glad stuff to yourself. You and your love and the life you feel kicking in you. I've buried more young'uns than you'll ever have. Oh, I'm sorry. Truly sorry, Fanny. <gasps> Don't you never be sorry for me. Followed the Laramie all the way till it cut through the range there. We left it and went cross country west and north to a point about here. Mm. It's almost to Medicine Bow River. I think their main camp's on the Medicine Bow. But you ran into other camps along the way? Mm hmm. Old camps, Major. Yeah, the information you got from the settlers in the area would point to that. No Cheyenne in their vicinity since last fall. Isn't that the word? And no army patrol since last fall. That follows? To me, it does. The settlers have spent the winter in peace since the Cheyenne ran off their horses last fall. The cavalry sends out one small patrol in the late spring when the Cheyenne mysteriously reappear. But not in numbers. All right. Cheyenne scouts, eight of them. You could have killed them at any time you were following them. Yeah, just about. Only they were leading us, Major. There's a difference. Only because you were willing to be led. That was our business, reconnaissance. 
You don't kill eight scouts who are leading you into a trap. Hmm. Of course you don't. If you're sure it's a trap. Look, for two days, if we didn't keep pace with them, they waited for us. Morning of the third day, they cut off into a canyon that leads straight to the Medicine Bow like we were leading a charge behind them. I know an ambush when I see one. And you don't ride into them with ten men behind you. I don't ride into them with a company behind me. All right, Captain. I'm... Uh, I'm sorry, Major. We rode all night. You rode all night for three nights. I know that, Lee. I want you to get some rest. I'd like to finish my report, sir. It can wait till morning. I don't think so. All right, Lee. Let's get it all said. I don't like it this way, but one of us has to get a good night's sleep. I'll sleep fine, Major. I will, too, once this is over. Now, from your report, you seem convinced the Cheyenne have their main camp on the Medicine Bow. I get the impression you think they're getting restless. They'll have to move somewhere. That country had about one winter's good hunting left in it. They've had that. If they haven't raided since fall, you're right. We could stop them before they start. They'll move north, maybe as far north as the Montana Territory. Why not south? Other tribes, Utes, Apaches. The Cheyenne would rather face the white man. I know. Now, you're bleeding me pretty dry, Major. Hmm? How's that? I got a feeling I'm mapping a campaign I'm not going to be part of. You just finished the toughest part of a campaign. A lot of men can lead a charge who can't do successful reconnaissance. Major, I'm Captain. You're assigned to quarters till 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Who's going to replace me, Major? I am. I'd be a fool to question that choice. Yes, you would. That's all, Captain. Dismissed. Yes, sir. Oh, uh, Major, who's going to replace you? Me? Yeah, here, as post commander. You are. Any questions? No, sir. No questions. You can't see by that light, Stella. Fine enough for this little bit of hand stitching, Billy. Well, best you rest yourself a while. Come on, sit in the doorway with me. <laughs> in a while, honey. Well, it's a fine night, Stella. Slice of moon... Nice bit of breeze off the sweet clover. Mm, I can smell it from here. It's like home, ain't it, Billy? Well, it is home still. Only one we ever had together. You ever think of it? Maybe some engine and his score setting like we are tonight. Looking out at the stars. Talking about the papoose they're going to have in no time at all. <laughs> Billy Merchant. How you think of things like that? They come to me. Well, don't they come to you? You know they do. It's part of what we have together, you and me. But that's not a man thought, is it? <laughs> How you sound like Luke and Joe. Sweet Billy, they call me. It's just because I notice a sky or a flower. Don't you mind them, Billy. No, I don't. I don't mind them. 
mind? Like you don't mind fanning. Yes. Why you say it that way? Because that's the way it is, Stella. Feeling folks like us, we feel too much sometimes. And we let folks get to us and rub us wrong, maybe. Maybe hurt us some. I love you. Sure. I said we were feeling folks. Oh, Billy. Billy. When are you going to have that baby still? Soon, honey. As soon as I can. It's a hard time for you. I know that. Not too hard, Billy. You're fretting some. You got some pain? No, not real pain. Like a catch, you know. Not often enough to matter. Well, it wouldn't be right to lie to me, honey. I don't lie to you. Ever. <laughs> Just sometimes you don't tell me all the truth, ain't that it? You're feeling folks, too. You ought to know good as me. Yeah. Yeah, I ought to. You're fretting some, Billy Merchant. That's who's fretting around here. No man's going to be a father has all the rights. You know, I do say some men take on worse than women folk. You know that, Stella? Swimming-headed morning times like that? Mm, that ain't what's troubling you. No. No, it ain't. No, it sure ain't. How many times I asked you to give up your work at the laundry? You mean how many times today you ask me? Yeah, and always you tell me it's what you gotta do, no matter what. It is, Billy. It's the same with me, Stella. I got my work to do, no matter what. Now, then I ain't asked you to give up being a trooper. I declare, I don't know what B Company do without you. I ain't drawed nothing but garrison duty for more than a month now. I just ain't gonna last. Billy? On stable detail today. We were sure ready in those mounts for something more than a parade ground, Stella. You got orders to move out? No, ma'am. No, but Captain Quince's patrol come back on the post today. And when reconnaissance comes back, well, we just gotta be moving out. Be nice if you's wrong, Billy. We gotta face up to it, Stella. You might just got to have that baby without me. I sure never planned that way. If it had to be, would you want to try to make it back home? To my ma? Sure. Why, Billy Merchant, that'd take every cent we own and then some. I ain't thinking of that. Well, then you think about it right now. Only don't take the bother. If they was money, they ain't time. Stella... Still, I, I want to be with you more than anything I could name. But I can't ask the favor of a leave. You understand that? You got your work to do, Billy. No matter what. Come in. 
Captain Quint, sir. Sergeant? I must have took a wrong turn, sir. I was told to report to the office of the post commander. Close the door, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Now, sit down, Gorse. And, Gorse, any time you want to get rid of that stupid grin, you can. Yes, sir. Well, you look powerful big behind that desk. Yeah, too big for the desk. Maybe too small for the job. You'll do what you gotta do, Captain. I was thinking more that we'd do what I gotta do, Gorse. You was? Major Daggett tells me that Sergeant Pearson takes a big load off him sitting at that desk outside. Well, he ain't sitting out there now. He's getting his equipment together, fixing to move out with Major Daggett after Reveille tomorrow morning. Captain Quint. He'll need a good briefing, Sergeant Pearson will. Well, I'd like to volunteer to... Good. That saves me an order, Sergeant. To go with B Company as a special scout. And when you've finished briefing him, he can fill you in on the details of his desk job. One of us ain't listening, Captain. It's a side of the Army we don't know much about, Gorse. Time we did. You being in charge and all, you think you could arrange a quick transfer for us, maybe the infantry? Better find Sergeant Pearson. Tell him all you know. Yes, sir. Now, that'd be my job, wouldn't it? Till we get swinging doors. Guess it is. Lieutenant Seibert, sir. Sergeant? Captain Quinn, sir? Oh, come in, Mr. Seibert. Your duty begins in an hour, Sergeant. Yes, sir. With the captain's permission, I'd like to offer congratulations, sir. You came here for a briefing, Mr. Seibert. I understand that. Sit down. Yes, sir. You familiar with the Horseshoe Creek area? Oh, yes, sir. That map you're using... The map's wrong. Well, I drew that map, Captain. Then you're wrong. Horseshoe Creek does not feed from the Medicine Bow River. No, sir. From the Little Medicine Bow. Not by 20 miles, Mr. Seibert. 20 miles of twisting canyon through the Laramie Range. That's this line here. Horseshoe Creek is east of the range. Medicine Bow and the Little Medicine Bow are to the west. They do not join. Well, they must have once, sir. It's like a riverbed all through the floor of that canyon. They didn't join last fall when you drew this map. You mean the waters didn't join. The riverbeds did. Mr. Seibert's a cavalry company moves with water. Water points a course of travel, a campsite. I know that, sir. Do you? Captain Quince, that's the first country I ever charted, the first map I ever drew. Well? It's not an excuse, sir. Sounds like one, Mr. Seibert's. What I mean, seeing it was my first real attempt and all, I never thought that we'd be using that map to campaign by. We're not. That's good. You bet it's good, Mr. Seibert. It's good and lucky. I pulled this map out of the Major's files last night to study it. I spent the rest of the night drawing up a proper map. Here, Mr. Seibert. You tear it up. Thank you, Captain. Don't thank me. Remember it. Remember it good. And then forget it. Captain Quinn. I've I... already forgotten it, Mr. Seibert. Can't see him now, merchant. Whatever it is, it's got to wait. Babies, don't wait, Sergeant. Trouble here, men? No trouble, Captain. Captain Quint, sir, I'd like to... That's enough, trooper. Company B's forming fours in the parade ground, merchant. Yes, sir, Captain. But what I'd like to... No buts about it. Captain Quint's... 
I respectfully request permission for an in... Can't I please get a hearing from you, sir? Captain, don't conduct no hearings this time of day, trooper. It's all right, Goyes. Let's have it, Merchant. And quick. Oblige, sir. Any time now, any little minute, I'm going to have a baby, Captain. Well... Sergeant, my respects to Major Daggett. Tell him Trooper Merchant will be on the parade ground in two minutes. Yes, sir. I met my wife, Captain. Stella. She's having the baby. I'm glad to hear that, Merchant. Now, seeing it's her first, sir, and her being alone, I mean no kinfolk nearby to help or lend a hand. I hope you're not asking me for leave, Trooper. No. No, no, sir. I mean to move out with the company. You'll move out with the company. You'll have nothing on your mind but the Cheyenne. I know what you mean, sir. Then all we gotta settle is what you mean, Merchant. Well, sir, it it pleased me to tell Stella that the post-surgeon was on hand to tend after her. And and the baby, too, when it comes. Well, that, that eased her some, sir. Well? It'd ease me some if you was pleased to tell me I was... Telling Stella all the truth. The post-surgeon's leaving with B Company, Merchant. I see, sir. Your wife in your quarters now? No, sir. No, she's working in the laundry. Well, uh, we're holding things up, Merchant. Yes, sir. And thanks for hearing me out. Merchant, you know that I... Merchant, women have babies every day. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll sure try to look on it that way, sir. Good luck, Trooper. Look at that, Luke. Never was a man so glad to leave his woman. There's one is glad, right next to him. Joe, beaming and smirking. Grates on my nerves sometimes, seeing that brother face engine arrows in us. Well, I ain't grieving none myself. Luke's been home a month. Hmm, a good month. Good and long, that's a fact. I know what you're thinking, S. You sure? You'll be to yourself. All to yourself. That's pure blessing. (laughs) You know it is, Fanny. Oh, they haven't gone yet. I was most afraid they'd be gone. Well, now, look who's managing a brave little smile. She don't know enough to laugh, as Hair no mine. I, I don't see Billy. Could you just point out Billy to me? Use your young eyes. No matter you don't see him. He couldn't stand a chance of missing you, popping clean into the parade grounds the way you are. Could be your sweet Billy's in trouble. He was late for formation. And he come out of headquarters with Captain Quince himself. You can't fret me, Fanny. Say what you will, the two of you. You can't fret me. There ain't nobody can fret me no more. There they go. Only stirring sight they is. Bands are playing and flags are flying. And men leaving, would you... If you see him, point out Billy to me. I declare I can't see him yet. Well, you're not likely to yet. Them's officers up front. Major Daggett and that Lieutenant Cybert. Oh, who's that other and riding atwixt them? Well, I declare that's Major Trox. Now, you don't see him riding off every day. Wonder who's sending the hospital with him a-going. Who's... Who 
those major trucks? You mean you don't know the post-surgeon when you see him? Post-surgeon Lee? Well, you didn't think he'd stay here to look after Ewan's now, did you? He must not have known. Billy wouldn't have said if he'd known. Billy? Billy? Don't you worry none now, Billy. Not a worry. Yeah. Oh, come on, ass, for this turns my stomach good. I'll get the door for you, Captain. You sure this is where she lives? It's merchants, all right. Turn the bed down, Gorse. Yes, sir. Might stuffy in here. I'll get that window. And some water, Gorse. She's limp as a rag. Yes, sir. She's just like I found her, Captain. Keeled over in her tracks. A little water on her face. Maybe it'll brighten her. She's breathing quiet enough. Too quiet, Captain? I don't mm. think so. She thinks you're her husband, Captain. Hmm. Big mistake. Here, here, ma'am. You uh, drink a little water. You, you come around. I don't know you. No, ma'am. You're in my quarters, and I don't, I don't know you. No sense giving her a fright, Captain. I'll just go along. You leave me, let... Gorse. I'll throw you right in the stockade. Yes, sir. Oh. Now take her hands, Gorse. Oh. Take her hands. Hold them. Oh. oh. Yes, sir. Oh, I guess. You know, I'm gonna have a baby. I, oh. I guess you're about oh. as right as you can be, ma'am. Oh. Captain. Go ahead and what? Hit it. Hit it? It's a girl. No matter. You're supposed to hit it one on its sit-down. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It's the first right move we made. <coughs> now, now, don't cry, little girl. Don't you cry. You'll wake your ma. Don't worry, Gorse. I don't think her ma'd mind. Fort Laramie is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and stars Raymond Burr as Lee Quince, Captain of Cavalry, with Vic Perrin as Sergeant Gorse. The script was specially written for Fort Laramie by Kathleen Height, with sound patterns by Bill James and Ray Kemper, musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. 
Featured in the cast were Jack Moyles and Harry Bartell, with Virginia Gregg, Dick Crenna, Helen Klebe, and Ann Morrison. Company tension. Dismiss. Next week, another transcribed story of the Northwest Frontier and the troopers who fought under Lee Quince, Captain of Cavalry. Sitting ducks are supposed to be targets for trouble. Your car is the sitting duck and yourself a target for trouble when you park carelessly. These days, problems of finding a parking place lead some drivers to attempt parking in spaces that are too small. They leave parts of the car exposed, jutting out into traffic lanes. As a result, another car swerving or coming around a corner can smack into the exposed front or rear end. Double parking, along with all the frustration it can cause, also increases the hazard of this kind of accident. Don't make your car a sitting duck in the way and asking for trouble. Laramie with Sergeant Gorse's Baby, starring Raymond Burr from May 27, 1956. Also in the cast, Vic Perrin, Jack Moyles, Virginia Gregg, Richard Crenna, Helen Cleave, and Ann Morrison is heard over CBS. We have more than 100,000 classic radio episodes under license from the owners and estates and are provided the master recordings. Through special arrangement with the rights holders, these radio episodes are heard on this podcast and sent to members of the Classic Radio Club. Support this podcast by joining the Classic Radio Club, where you'll receive 10 superior-sounding Classic Radio shows sent to you each month via digital download or on five CDs, along with historical liner notes. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio shows for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about joining the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. That's 815-900-7535. I'll have a Western episode of the Cisco Kid with Jack Mather for you after this short break. I'm still 
If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. O'Henry's Outlaw followed a trail that sometimes led to adventure, often to danger, and always to beautiful senoritas. On the silver screen, the Cisco Kid was a sensation. On radio, his bandit characteristics were toned down for a younger audience. Riding through the Tex-Mex borderlands, the Cisco Kid dispensed justice in the manner of a Mexican Robin Hood. Like the English outlaw, the kind-hearted champion of the poor and downtrodden, aimed to right wrongs and restore law and order. The kid's cheerful, rotund sidekick, Pancho, Cisco called him Chico, was a master of the bullwhip and a hilarious misuser and mangler of the English language. The Cisco kid came across as something of a bad guy when the series was first broadcast from the studios of New York City in 1942, with Jackson Beck playing the title role. This cowboy Casanova seemed to spend more energy pursuing glamorous senoritas than punishing the mean-spirited hombres. The Cisco Kid's second incarnation in 1946 proved not only more popular, but also a landmark in radio broadcasting. Between 1946 and 1956, airing longer through syndication, a total of 636 episodes of The Cisco Kid were produced, and an unusual contract clause ensured the highest quality in the live broadcasts. This stipulated that, should the episode fall below par, the cast was required to perform it off-air a second time without additional pay to meet syndication recording requirements. The Cisco Kid's audience share was as big as that of The Lone Ranger and Hopalong Cassidy. And of all the programs produced and syndicated by Frederick W. Ziv, from Boston Blackie to Bold Venture, none was more financially successful than this children's western. In this episode, a stagecoach with a gold shipment is on its way to Silver City, Nevada, and is robbed by the Cisco Kid and Poncho. But why? Here's the stage to Silver City, starring Jack Mather and Harry Lang on the Cisco Kid from April 17, 1958. Here's the famous Robin Hood of the Old West. Cisco, the sheriff, he is getting closer. This way, Pancho, Favano. The Cisco Kid.
when you make out that shopping list this week, don't forget these six important words. Tut, tut, nothing but butternut bread. You can have happier, healthier meals when there's plenty of butternut on the table. Those fresh, white, even-looking slices just seem to encourage the appetites and praise from the family, too. And once they pick up a slice, butter it, and take that first tender bite, well, you won't have to be told they want butternut from then on. You can tell from those expressions all around the table and those comments. And say, pack butternut bread sandwiches in those lunch boxes, naturally. You'll see how butternut stays so fresh and tender so extra long. So good with any sandwich filler. So buy a loaf this week. Buy butternut bread in the blue and white check gingham wrapper, the picture wrapper that shows you it's fresh and fine and flavor-rich even before you pick it up. No guess, no squeeze, no doubt. And now the Cisco Kid in our exciting story, Stage to Silver City. For a period after the Civil War, Silver City, Nevada, was the silver as well as the gold capital of the world. A series of well-planned and well-executed robberies began to constitute a serious threat to the economy of our country, which was slowly recovering from the ravages of the war between the states. As our story opens, a heavily laden conquered stage drawn by six lathered horses tops a rise of ground and careens crazily on its way, causing four of the five passengers to struggle to maintain their precarious positions. By the great tall, my great aunt Cornelia, we almost turned over that time. <laughs> oh, Jake, the driver is set on killing all of us before we get to Silver City, Harvey. <laughs> because he's trying to impress my ward, Julie, or because he's trying to protect your gold shipment, Court. I'm not the least bit impressed, I can assure you. Just uncomfortable. I'll put a stop to it, Julie. Hey, Jake! As you stop them horses from running away. Yeah, you ain't now, Yeah! Now that leather-headed old goat, I'll put a bullet in him. Never mind, never mind, Wirt. Leave Jake alone. Is that hombre next to you still asleep, Julie? I guess he is. Though I'll be blamed if I can understand how he can sleep during a ride like this. Maybe that serape he's wrapped in cushions him from the bumps. The sombrero over his face deadens the noise. <laughs> I'll deaden him if he don't stop leaning all over Julie that way. Oh, he can't help it, Wirt. After all, he's asleep. And anyway, I don't mind. Yeah, you don't have to prove your gunslinging ability on that hombre, Wirt. Your job is to protect the gold. Green! Somebody's shooting at us! It's a bandit! Ah! One's Green! Yeah! Uh, reckon I'm going to be able to show you I can handle my job, Cord. Not so fast, hombres. Keep the hands away from the holsters or the gun in my hand will be forced to shoot you. Inspiration. <gasps> that hombre was playing possum all the time. Yeah, masking off. No wonder he kept the sombrero over his face. Si, senor. It is better you know this not for fooling. Pull up that thing, brother. Pronto. You and your partner work good together. I can find out sometime how well you'll work alone. Don't do anything foolhardy, Wirt. Your life is worth more than the gold. All right, driver. Throw down the gold box and your guns. What box? Pronto! There it is. And here's my guns. Eh, 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 senor. Not make the move toward the shoulder holster. Now, don't you do anything foolhardy either, Cord. What Julie said made good sense. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice, senor. Gracias, senor driver. What is this, hombres? 
Oh, a thousand pardons, senorita. I did not know this coach was graced by your presence. Does that mean you're not going to rob us? <laughs> Mi compañero and I have no intention of disturbing the passengers. See, si, we want only the guns. Correct. Collect them, amigo. Fear to keep the hands high, you still covered, senores. See here, I'm Harvey Baxter, United States Treasury Department Commissioner. This is my ward, Julie Mason. If harm comes to any of us... Just do as I say, and no harm will come to you, Senor Baxter. Senorita Mason. I'm hoping to meet up with you two hombres again, when you both ain't wearing masks. <laughs> I hope you get your hope. Are you sure you will know us? I'm sure. I got all the guns. Come, amigo. Bueno. We will leave your guns here by the wayside, senores. Unfortunately, we have need of the gold box. We will have to take it with us. Thanks to the fact that he admired you, Julie, we still have our valuables. I have little appreciation for the admiration of a bandit. Sorry, senorita. It's all part of a day's work. See? <laughs> oh, cut the palaver. Let's get going. I'm going to find you, hombre, and kill you. <laughs> Maybe you will, senor. Maybe you will not. All right, driver. Whip up those horses. Adios, senorita. Yeah, beauty. Bronco, please. Yeah, yeah. Those hombres, what was in the stagecoach when we stopped, but they watch us close, Cisco. I know they are watching us, Cipriano. Keep on eating. No need for them to know we are watching them. <laughs> they not going to make up their minds whether we are the ones who get the gold. <laughs> they recognize us, I'm sure. They probably wonder how we have the gold to come in and to eat after robbing the stage. <laughs> that hombre would say he's going to kill you. He's coming over this way, Cisco. Boss wants your hombres over this table. If it was left to me, I'd kill you right now. Kill us? At least not until after we have finished our meal, senor. You heard me. Move. Pronto. Hey! Hey, what you do? Get going up. Pull that chair out from under you, just like I did to your partner. It's not a polite thing to do, hombre. A skulking, thieving road agent gets politeness from word party. The gunslinger. That's right, you raw-hiding jayhawk. And I'll get moving, I'll bend his barrel over your skull. Cisco, he go for his gun. I do not like threats, Maverick. So, we will get into the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Let go of my wrist. Break it. Drop the gun, Coyote. Yeah, gracias, senor. And for pulling that chair out from under me, while I was eating, I will have to teach you a little politeness. <laughs> bueno, Cisco, you knock him flat on his back. <laughs> Cipriano got that coyote's gun now. Give it back to him, Cipriano. <laughs> and now, senor word party, with your kind permission, I will finish my meal. Will you please tell your boss that I will converse with him when I am through eating? And please do not disturb me again, or I will have to take your own gun and bend it over your skull. <laughs> you all-eyed finicarona! Holy word, hold it! Do something you won't live to regret. Gracias, senor, for calling your gunslinger to heel. But he's a... Uh, he's a Cisco kid. You're looking for a fast burial in a pine box on Boot Hill. Go ahead and draw on him. All right. Here's your chair, Cisco. Go ahead. Finish your meal. Oh, Professor, start pounding that piano again. All right, everything's under control, boys. Go on back to your tables. I'd like to talk to you, Cisco. Si, senor. Will you sit down, please? Yeah, thanks. Drop a chair, Word. 
Better clamp over that gun of yours in the holster and also over your mouth. Go ahead with your food, Cipriano. Food? Oh, oh, see, 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 go. Mmm, this pretty good eats you got here, senor. Uh, Cord McClure, Cipriano. Oh, senor Cord McClure. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Where's mm -hmm. my money, Cisco? Uh, your money, senor McClure? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gold you took from the stage. Ah. Oh, that gold. It is safe. It is buried where no one will find it. What's the idea of hijacking my gold and then coming in here? You knew we'd recognize you in spite of the mask. Mm -hmm. Did you tell me of a better way for an hombre to join your gang? What gang? What gold? All right, all right. Well, stop playing it cozy. Yeah. That gold you got was from my own mine. I want it back. You know, Sam McClure, I have a hard time remembering where Cipriano and I buried him. Uh, see? <laughs> Cipriano not remember you. Belly <laughs> full of lead will refresh his memory. Shut up, Wirt. All right. What do you want, Cisco? An equal share in your gang for me, compañero, and myself. Yeah, why bother to join us? You seem to do all right by yourself. For one time. The next time, party and your hombres would be waiting for me. You and I will both get more by working together. Last I heard of the Cisco kid, he was wearing law guns. Ah, whichever side the best for Cisco, that decide that he wear his guns on. <laughs> Cisco the best with both guns, what Cisco wearing too. <laughs> well, McClure, are we in or out? Well, I reckon you're working for me, Cisco. And Cipriano? And Cipriano too. Your first job is to go dig up that gold and bring it back. See, si, Sir Cord, for a share of it. Yeah, well, that's my own gold. Gang only share and what we get from other mines. Cipriano and I risked our necks to steal that box. We deserve part of what is in it. How much? Fifty percent. Fifty percent? You say the word and I'll give them both a hundred percent of a trip down Salt River face uh, down. I figure Cisco's right, Word. You'll all be better off working together. Fifty percent, eh? All right, you got it, Cisco. And I'm warning you, I intend to make it up out of the first half dozen jobs you do for me. <laughs> it is a deal. Cipriano and I will bring the money in. Your share of it, Senor Cord. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you're part of the gang don't mean I'm forgetting what happened. I'll be waiting for you to step out of line, Cisco. When you do, I'll kill you. Come in quickly. Gracias, Senor Baxter. Are you sure no one saw you come in the back entrance of my office, Cisco? No one followed me, Senor. Where's your partner, Cipriano? I left him with the horses. Why? I had no idea he was your partner. You sure surprised me when you pulled that hold up of the stage. I was just as surprised to find you, the United States Commissioner, riding on it. I am glad you gave no indication you knew me. When I asked you to join Cord McClure's gang to find out how they get their information about the gold shipments... I didn't know you'd go into action so swiftly. What better way is there to become a member of the gang than to steal a gold shipment from McClure himself? It's a clever and daring piece of business, Cisco. Have you contacted him yet? See, si. Cipriano and I are already members of the McClure gang. Right now, we are supposed to be getting the gold I took from the stage. You'll return it to him, and then what? I'm only returning 50% for the present. 50%? Why? 
I am sure McClure will have to report the loss of half his own money to his silent and secret partner, the hombre or senorita who is giving him the information about the gold shipments. What makes you so positive McClure has a partner, Cisco? Do you think the hombre who masterminded this scheme to steal the gold would not cut himself in on McClure's one legitimate mind? Well, yes, I guess he would. Unless I am very much mistaken, McClure is using that mine as a cover. When he ships stolen gold, he pretends it comes from his own mine. If you're right, it's quite an ingenious plan. As you say, the work of a mastermind. Uh, you won't have an easy time finding out who he is. My keeping 50% of the gold will force McClure to show his hand, Senor Baxter. We will soon know who the big boss really is. Yeah, I must leave now. Be careful. If one of Cord McClure's men should see you leaving my office, you'll have an instantaneous death. And if Cisco is seen, Harvey Baxter's words may come true. In just a moment, we'll return to The Cisco Kid. Your shopping is easier since Butternut Bread introduced that new picture wrapper. There's no more guess, no squeeze, no doubt about the freshest, finest, whitest bread on your grocery shelves. And now listen to this. Butternut's brand new extra delicious wheat bread comes to you in a companion picture of quality wrapper. Butternut's white bread in the blue and white check gingham wrapper. Butternut's wheat in the red and white check gingham wrapper. And both have that true-to-life picture that makes shopping easier. You can see what you buy before you buy and be sure of the finest for your table. And your family will really go for the new butternut wheat bread, the finest, smoothest wheat bread ever to feel the touch of a butter knife. And wait till you try it for toast. Virtually melts in your mouth, turns to a crisp golden brown, tastes so extra good. So why wait? Try butternut's new wheat bread right now. You'll like it. You'll love it. Insist on butternut wheat bread in the red and white check gingham wrapper. And now back to the Cisco Kid in our thrilling story, Stage to Silver City. Cisco, with Pancho's great-uncle Cipriano, presumably robbed the stagecoach to Silver City of the gold it is carrying. Cisco does this in an effort to join the gang of Cord McClure. Later, Cisco confers with Harvey Baxter, the U.S. commissioner, who asked Cisco to undertake this dangerous job. Harvey warns Cisco that if McClure's men suspect they are working together, Cisco will be killed. Now, Cisco approaches the spot where he left Cipriano and the horses. Hola, Cipriano. Hola, Cisco. It's better for we to hurry and get out of here before we see him. That mule of yours seems to be working for the bandidos. He always brays at the wrong time. Go ahead, man up. Uh, si, Cisco. Oh, that senorita ride this way. Santos. is the senorita from the stagecoach. Whoa. Whoa, boy. Just a minute, mister. I want to talk to you. Si, senorita. And don't pretend you don't know me. If there's an ounce of rain beneath that big sombrero on your head, you'll return that money you stole and leave this part of the country. What money, senorita? Oh, I don't know why I wasted my time. 
I might have known you'd take this attitude. What attitude, senorita? You're exasperating. Well, I thought perhaps you weren't all bad, that you might reform. <laughs> that is a very kind and charming thought on your part, senorita. Oh, what's the use? Cisco, that senorita going to tell the sheriff now. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'll give you time to get out of town and keep riding before I do tell him. But if I ever see you in town here again, I'll... <gasps> Take your hand off me. Madre mia. That slap across the face was quite unnecessary, senorita. I was only going to assist you to mount your horse. Oh, I'm sorry. Usually, an hombre gets a slap in the face after he kisses a senorita. Since I have already collected the slap, I feel I am entitled to the kiss. Santa Maria. Santa Maria. Santa Margarita. Santa Cristobal. I... I... Well, uh, You... Now, if you want to slap me again, you have a reason. I think you're... I think that was... I think I'll... Giddy up. Giddy up, <laughs> Hasta luego, senorita. We will meet again. Cisco, are you begging for us to be thrown into the jail? <laughs> Do not worry, Cipriano. That senorita is going to be of great help to us. Adios, senorita mia. Artiano, help, ha! Go, go, Ignacio. Go, go, go. Signed Malik says somebody in your office to see you. Uh, uh, who is it, Word? I don't know. Whoever it is, use the back entrance. I didn't see nobody go through that door. All right, come on. All right. Uh, I don't see anyone in here. There, behind the door. Oh, uh, hello, Word. Uh, howdy, Mr. Baxter. Oh, howdy, Harvey. Yeah, would you leave us alone, Word? This is private. No, let him stay, Cord. Wirt's guns may be the solution to our predicament. A silent partner. The hombre you've been getting the information from about the gold shipments. That's right, Wirt. Cord, I want to tell you no, about... No, no, no. Let me tell you first, Harvey. It's about the Cisco kid. I know all about it. That's why I'm here. News travels fast. Faster than you think. Cisco came to my office right after he left you, Cord. He told me about the deal he made with you and the fight he had with Wirt. Your office? What do you got to do with him? I told you the main office in Washington was getting suspicious about so many gold shipments being stolen. Yeah, yeah, you told me. What's that got to do with Cisco? Plenty. Before Washington decides to send out an investigator, I decided to hire one of my own to find out whether these robberies can be traced to me. What did I tell you, Cord? That snake I Cisco... Shut up, Word. Yeah, you put Cisco up to spying on me without telling me, Harvey? Didn't you hear what I said? I told you I wanted to find out how much could be traced back to me. I said I suspected the McClure gang and asked Cisco to help in the name of the government. Oh, law and order itself. What'd you tell Cisco to rob that stage for? I didn't tell him to. That was his own idea. So he'd have a bargaining point to use to get into the gang. I was as much surprised when he held up the stage as you were. Well, yeah, it's kind of funny about Cisco. I mean, yeah, him reporting to you and you reporting to me. <laughs> it's so funny it's going to cost him his life. He figures the gold will cause you to lead him to me. I figure it'll cause you to lead him to his death.
rodeado. Hold on, hold, hold. Wait for Cipriano, Cisco. Oh, it's not you. Oh, 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 now. Oh. Why does that new brain now, Cipriano? Because yeah, he's glad we come to a halt. Aye, maybe it'd be a better idea if Cipriano sent himself back to Hermosillo. Because the trouble we're walking into makes Cipriano think he never get back there. They have no fear. Nothing will happen to you. Yeah. Cisco, there that cord McClure hombre and some of his bandidos over at that table. They're waiting for us to return and for the money. Yeah. Glad to see you back so soon, Cisco. Pull up a chair. Yeah, you too, Soprano. Si, si, senor. Here is your gold, McClure, in these saddlebags. They're only half as heavy as they ought to be, a four-flushing tin horn. Keep them hands on the table where I can see them, Cisco. What party? A brave hombre when you have a gun pointed at me from under the table. I'll do what word says, Cisco. He's got good reason to kill you. What about you, McClure? I lived up to my part of the bargain. Yeah, you sure did. Harvey Baxter told me. Senor Harvey Baxter? Keep that voice low. He won't talk again at all. What has Harvey Baxter to do with all this? Where do you figure the 50% of the gold you kept would lead you, Cisco? I don't have to figure. I know it leads to a bunk on Boot Hill. When you go to draw on me, Cisco, you're going to get a belly full of bullets. We're in the clear with the law. Going to witness you drew first. If I die, McClure, you and party will also. I can shoot twice before I am dead. We'll see about that. Hell, hold your fire, Wirt. It's the sheriff. You, Cisco kid, get them hands high up over your head. See, si, senor sheriff, my hands are raised high, as you can see. I got some questions. Yeah, I... Get Cisco. Hey, he's going for his gun. <laughs> Miss me, you coyote. Hey, what's going on here? Oh, you mavericks get the chance. Oh! Ah, bueno, Cisco, you shoot the guns out of both of those mavericks' hands. Just a minute. <laughs> I'll take that gun, Cisco. You can have it now, senor sheriff, and these two banditos. Get Cisco, Wirt. I'm placing the whole kit and caboodle of you under arrest. See the you. Arrest. This time it is going to be you, what, buddy? Uh, and now for you, Card McClure. I'll silence if I have to. You I'll just... never get the chance to draw that knife. And for trying to. <laughs> That's the way she's go. You knock him out gold. She's go. Look out. That word hombre come up behind you. Rush up and back of me, party. When I can grab you, flip you over to my head. After you round up Harvey Baxter and McClure's gang of hombres and your sheriff and drag Party and McClure over to the jail, you will learn you have captured the bandidos who have been stealing the gold around here and that you have put an end to those robberies. Cisco, Senorita Julie, Ignacio agree with me too. That herd of cattle's not even worth to be a rustle. You might be wrong, Cipriano. From what you said, you're not exactly an old hand at being a cowboy. <laughs> I do not think Cipriano is looking at that herd with the eye of a vaquero, Senorita Julie. 
He is sizing them up as the butcher of Hermosillo. See, the very best butcher in all Hermosillo. The very best. Well, think of that. See, si, see, si. the very bestest of all. <laughs> <laughs> How many butchers are there in Hermosillo? The oh, um, just one, me, Cipriano. Uh, come on, Ignacio. We, we go look at those tears. Get to Ignacio. There's nothing for you to laugh about. Oh, I hope he isn't angry, Cisco. I am sure it will not last very long, senorita. All of Pancho's family seem to have a tendency to brag a little. This will take him down a peg. Oh, if anyone has a right to brag, it's you, Cisco. You really took chances going after McClure and his gang. I am sorry your guardian, Harvey Baxter, was one of them. Well, I was glad to find out about him. And angry that I didn't suspect sooner. Do not be angry, Senorita Julie. If you had not sent the sheriff after me when you saw Cipriano and myself run into town, I might not be here now. Oh, I was angry at you then, Cisco. I'm sorry. It was because... I think it was because I kissed you, no? Oh, no. Oh, well, that is... Tell me what you think after this. Oh, senorita. Cisco. Si, Cipriano. All those bandidos get what they deserve. They all go to jail. That is the penalty for breaking the law. Coyotes like that always end up in jail. Pancho can tell you how many times he has seen that come true when you return to Hermosillo. Pancho all better from the measles, the mumps, and the chicken pox, no, Cisco? Well, that was what the last letter I received from Uncle Jose said. <laughs> Cipriano be glad to see Uncle Jose, just like you be glad to see Pancho. When you last see Pancho, Cisco? Oh, several weeks ago, in Flagstaff, before he went to Hermosillo. Flagstaff? See, si, there's a city in Arizona. Oh, see, si, see, si. Pancho's Uncle Jose tells Cipriano that he wants in Flagstaff. Oh, Uncle Jose was in Flagstaff? See, si. that's when Uncle Jose tried to be a flagpole seeder. But he had to give it up. He had to give it up? Why? Because he always slipped down to half mass. Oh, Cipriano! And so ends another exciting adventure with O. Henry's famous Robin Hood of the West, the Cisco Kid. Say, boys and girls, when Mother sends you to the store, how do you tell a good bunch of bananas? You look at them, don't you? And that's how to tell a good bread, too, by looking at it. Yes, just look at any blue and white check gingham butternut wrapper, and you can see that it's the freshest, finest loaf of bread in town. How? Because there's a picture of butternut's fresh, fine slices right on that wrapper, an actual true-to-life picture. You see, there's no guess, no squeeze, no doubt, when you buy butternut, you can see, you can be sure that you're buying the bread mom is going to like. 
You'll like it, too, for those noontime sandwiches, or toast at breakfast, or fresh from the wrapper at dinner. Butternut is always fresh, rich, and tender. So, boys and girls, next time Mom sends you to the store to buy bread, don't guess, squeeze, or doubt. Just reach out and pick up that loaf in the blue and white check gingham picture wrapper. Tut, tut, nothing but butternut bread. Sure to listen again for another thrilling adventure of the Cisco Kid. Cisco Kid was played by Jack Mather, Poncho by Harry Lang. The Stage to Silver City, starring Jack Mather and Harry Lang on The Cisco Kid from April 17, 1958, sponsored by Butternut Bread, as heard over the Mutual Network. After this short break, I'll give you our lineup for Episode 8 of Retro Radio Theater. Next time on Episode 8 of Retro Radio Theater, it's two comedy radio episodes, Fibber McGee and Molly and The Great Gildersleeve, so don't miss it. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts or visit us on SeniorResource.com, your number one source for retirement planning, caregiving tips, and living your best. Retro Radio Theater is a copyrighted series produced by yours truly, Carl Amari, for Retro Entertainment. Mike Costella is the executive producer. We invite you to support this podcast by joining the Classic Radio Club. Members receive 10 Classic Radio shows via digital download or on five CDs each month, along with historical liner notes. Learn more at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. See you next time, and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the way showers who will help your journey a lot easier.